All right, everyone, we are back with Studio 67 on the road. We have Commissioner Renee Flowers here from Pinellas County out here to talk with us today. Commissioner, tell us about yourself. Well, first of all, good afternoon. It's so glad to be here, and I'm so excited that you allowed me to have this time. My name is Renee Flowers, and I have the privilege of serving as a county commissioner here in Pinellas County. Um, And I was elected to office in 2020. And as a result of being elected into office in 2020, uh, because of SB 524, I had to run again. And so June 17th at 12 o'clock noon, I discovered that I was unopposed, so I was reelected without opposition. Prior to that, I had the privilege of serving as a St. Petersburg City Council member in the city of St. Pete. I served as chairman for two terms back to back and also became president of the Florida League of Cities. I had an awesome opportunity then to serve as Pinellas County School Board member, and I provided that service for two four-year terms and left there to run for the county commission seat. So I've kind of been around for a minute. I was going to say, you've been a little bit everywhere. Your hands have been everywhere. School boards, cities, counties. Mm -hmm. What would you say is your favorite? I know that's a hard one. It is hard, but I have to say this. While I um, certainly love working um, with the school board and with the children and made a lot of difference while I was there in building of new schools that had been built since 1947, I love municipal government. So even though this is county government, um, I have to say that I love the fact that I get a chance to deal with police, fire, stormwater, sewer, parks and rec, um, uh, preservation, because we have a number of uh, historic uh, areas within Pinellas County. And then working with the unincorporated components that don't have a municipal government, um, but we're providing those services for them. So sidewalks, working with um, making sure that ordinances are all compatible to neighborhoods, viewpoints and visions. Um, I think that's the best for me. So certainly being back in county government, I would say is like super good, super cool. Now, are you from Pinellas County originally? Born and raised in the city of St. Petersburg, one of the last sets of babies that was born at an all-African-American hospital, Mercy Hospital. So, yes, I am 57 years old, going on 58. Do I look good? You don't look a day over 30. Why, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's uh, quite a privilege to represent the uh, city and uh, county that you grew up in. Certainly, it sure is. It is. What brought you into public service? Well, it's interesting. Um, My mom went to Tuskegee which is a historically black college and university. And my father served in the military. They both went to Gibbs High School, which is a renowned historical black high school in the city of St. Petersburg. And um, so by the time I was born, by the way, I'm the baby of 12. So by the time I was born, um, things started to kind of turn around in the community. Um, Of course, I was born in 1964, 65 was when... um, the civil rights movement really occurred so I was kind of in the heart of things but my parents had always been involved um, based on their stories you know they had always been involved and so um, I have an uncle Judge Frank White who was just an attorney civil rights attorney at the time and he decided that he wanted to run for um, judge in Pinellas County 
And um, so, of course, family is family labor, free labor. And so um, my parents worked his campaign. You know, now we have the real high acclaimed campaigns. Um, But then it was very simple, you know, really all based on getting out the vote. So um, my job, along with my siblings, was to take flyers out door to door. And those flyers was just made on construction paper that were printed, if you recall the printing early on, just kind of cranking them out. So that kind of gave me the biting of the bug, if you will, because, you know, who doesn't love a little kid running to the door saying, I need you to vote for my uncle and, you know, kind of putting the flyer um, in the door. And so that really gave me my first taste of politics because you got a chance then to see, and I didn't realize the impact at the time, but you got a chance to see the impact of having an African-American to become judge in the city where the city of St. Petersburg was very racist, um, very segregated from um, the strike, from the garbage truck strikes that were held there. Sit-ins were held there in McCrory's right on Central Avenue. We weren't allowed to sit on the green benches, if you ever get a chance to kind of Google that and read some of the stories about that. So I I remember those times. And so that was a big deal for me to see this person. Um, And if you got a chance to see him, if you Google him, he was almost seven foot tall. And had a very deep voice like Barry White. So, you know, to just be able to walk into a courtroom and see him, you know, sitting back there was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I actually ran for my first office in um, elementary school at Azalea Elementary. And, you know, they have city council. I mean, student council. I'm sorry. And so I ran for student council and um, was uh, on the executive team there, if you will. What was your platform? Um, I can't remember what my platform was there, but I can tell you what it was in middle school because in middle school I ran and won first African-American to become president of student council Very at cool. Azalea Middle School. Um, and my platform there was, believe it or not, diversity and equality. And I actually hand drew money with like my face in the middle of money and pass it out with like gum. I wrap it around chewing gum and stuff and pass it out. So I was, yeah, I was buying votes and I was a cheerleader and I also ran track. So that kind of, you know, helped as well. What were your Um, events in track? Four, well, they call it four by one hundred now, but back then oh, we call it the four hundred relay. Yeah, and the two twenty. I got and, a track background myself. Oh, I was okay. a distance guy. But. All right, and then when I went on to Dixon Hollins High School, of you know, I got very involved, ran track, and was a cheerleader there as well. Um, but yeah, they call it the four by one hundred now, the four by four hundred, but it, we called it the four hundred yard relay. <laughs> That's a hard one. Yeah. <laughs> So talk us through what's going on in Pinellas County right now. I know there's a lot of things, there's probably challenges hitting you all right now. Do you have any innovative projects coming your way? What's going on? Well, one of the major challenges is affordable housing and it's not just in Pinellas County, it's everywhere. Um, And my platform when I ran for city council was affordable housing. And so I was able to accomplish a lot of those things while I served there and wanted to bring that over into Pinellas County government. We've been blessed to have the penny for Pinellas set aside. So out of that additional penny tax, the revenue that's generated from that, um, 41% of that goes towards affordable housing. So it's been about $81 million that we've been able to partner with developers who want to build affordable so that we help buy down the cost of construction. It makes sense for them. Um, So 
wonderful partners like Blue Sky Communities, Habitat for Humanity, CDC of Tampa Bay have all partnered with us. And so we've been able to provide 880 units of affordable housing in about three years. And I'm sorry, I don't have the exact number of single family homes that have actually been built, but we've been able to do that and put individuals in housing that they can actually afford so that they're not having to make a choice between electric bill, water bill, rent and food. Um, and so I put on a housing conference in February of this year. Alan Williams, who used to serve in the Florida legislature, is now the assistant secretary for the Department of Housing and Urban Development. He and I are good friends. I gave him a call and said, I need you to be my keynote speaker and I need you to bring some resources. And he did not hesitate. He came straight down. It was a wonderful conference. And out of that, we were able to really expand the thought process on tiny homes, certainly Palm Harbor homes, uh, expanding garage units, um, looking at um, town homes because typically you don't see a lot of townhomes. You may see condos here, mm -hmm. but not townhomes. But just looking at structures where we can develop housing in lots that are not a traditional size. We're used to building big homes that spread out a half of an acre, maybe an acre. Um, but looking at much smaller structures that go up versus out. Um, my second big love is certainly economic development and community redevelopment areas because that's how we were able to redevelop the midtown community in st petersburg and so now we have a cra in clearwater in the greenwood area and they are off to a wonderful start and so being able to help a small minority and women-owned businesses compete and stay in the running with some of the larger corporate businesses and forging those partnerships and relationships so that when there are big conferences um or something that's going on in the community, they certainly can play off of one another for that. Um, and it also uh, helps my small um, uh, uh, construction firms that are trying to get in because it's hard to compete with Ajax and Young and Associates when you you know don't have anywhere near the resources that they have. But mm -hmm. partnering them with those entities so that they can go in as subs, begin to build up their reputation, begin to build and expand their line of credit, um, and then they're able to then apply for much larger projects that really begins to put them in line with some of the big boys, as we say. So those are my passions. Those are the things I've been able to work on. And so far, we've been pretty successful. It's crazy because most people that I know in the state of Florida post-college want to move to Tampa and they want to move <laughs> mm -hmm. to Pinellas County. So it's interesting that like the properties out there have totally been like price gouged and there's just been this insane crisis. How can you get the state legislature, the governor to understand what's going on in your county. I know locals know best, but how do you relay that information? It has truly been a challenge. Um, as a matter of fact, just last Tuesday when we had our um, county commission meeting, um, the state legislature has written legislation that doesn't allow us to put into place rent controls. Mm -hmm. That would be one way. That's certainly how New York was able to deal with its problem. Mm -hmm. Um, and so since we can't do that, we started looking at ways that we could encourage those individuals who manage rental units to look at the costs associated with rental. For example, and, and I had a long conversation with the uh, Bay Area Apartments uh, Organization. It's a group of uh, landlords and um different companies that actually rent either large complexes or single units. And um, here's an example. Someone's rent was $1,800. They received a notice in the mail for the renewal, $3,600. That's 
That's nuts. Mm. So that's not a three to five percent increase, even addressing uh, cost of living. We know that labor is a, a, a topic or a subject. We know the supplies or the lack thereof. But there is no one that can tell me that the cost of renting that apartment went up 100%. Absolutely not. And so the the ordinance that we want to put in place that we addressed, and we were going to pass last Tuesday, but there were two areas of question that we wanted to follow up on, would prohibit um, an apartment complex from not accepting your voucher. So there are safe at home vouchers. There are uh, HUD Section 8 vouchers. There are different organizations that help individuals to be able to afford an apartment. Well, if you can command market rate, why would you even participate as a landlord in this process? Mm-hmm. So what we found happening was, yeah, HUD was offering the vouchers, mm-hmm. but we didn't have enough landlords that would take the voucher. So you were still out of luck. And I'm not talking about, and and I hate when people want to put individuals in the categories, oh, those are poor people. Well, you could make $15 an hour now and still be considered poor. You know, you can be a police officer, a nurse right now, and still be considered poor because you're not able to pay the first, last, and security to move into a place. It runs you about $9,000 if you use the $3,600 scenario I just gave you. So to pay first, last, and security in that, and sometimes persons are asking for two months months, of, right. Mm -hmm. So that's about $9,000. If you have that, you should be able to buy a home. Right. So why get an apartment? But Mm -hmm. people don't have that. So we're looking at um, ways that we can, we're trying to work with the landlords because we don't want it to seem forced, but we also want to show them there are people living right here in your community that could benefit from what you have. And for years, you're in business because they have been your customers. Mm -hmm. And so one of the apartment guys that was on with the call, he said, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, my folks are coming from New York. And when I tell them the price, they are in seventh heaven because it's nowhere near what they pay up there. And I said, I understand that. But you have to understand, we don't make those kind of salaries here. Mm -hmm. So what if they didn't come down? I said, and at some point, the market's going to be saturated. It always happens. This happened, um, if you recall, we had the housing market issue and then the crash, Mm -hmm. like from 2005 to 2007. And some entities are still trying to recuperate from back then. I said, so we're going to have that ebb and flow and that's going to happen. Then what are you going to do? You're going to be stuck with a lot of inventory. The bank doesn't care about what you thought or what you could get. Um, And so you're going to need to utilize that space. So we're working with them on that. But one thing that they said to me that I was not aware of is that homeowners insurance companies are charging them additional insurance rates if they rent 20% and above to 60 to 80% AMI consumers. That's wrong. I don't know if it's illegal. I think it is. Um, And so we have have our attorneys looking at that um, and talking with some other agencies, certainly the insurance commission that governs that, because if they are doing that, that is totally out of line and inappropriate. And they're going to have to, in my opinion, show a a better case. And if not, we'll just send them to the Office of Consumer Affairs and take care of it in a legal way, because you are discriminating Mm -hmm. when you do that. It shouldn't matter who I rent to. You're getting your amount of rent that you're asking for that unit. Absolutely. So it shouldn't matter how you got the money. You got the money other than the legal money, but you got the money. So um, those are some of the things that we're trying to do and work on because people that are coming back from college, they can't afford or else it's four people to an apartment. 
Right. That's what yeah. they're doing. That's, that's, what that's we're doing. Right? Four <laughs> people to an apartment, yeah. you know, and who wants that? You want to yeah. come home, you had a bad day, you want to kick off your shoes, you know, grab some yeah. ice cream out the freezer, turn on Netflix and just sit there and mellow. Right. You can't do that when you have one bedroom and, got, you know, you're taking turns on who's going to sleep in the bed. Yeah. <laughs> who gets so the closet? True. Yeah. <laughs> And we are thankful because ARPA funding that we received right. to help um, with foreclosures and to help with people that were being evicted, that saved so many families. Never in my lifetime have we ever been able to help a family with first, last, and security. And then to move if they needed to move because the rent still was going to be too high for them to continue with. Um and some utility assistance, you know, if that was needed. And can you imagine a man, you know, he's a lieutenant uh, with the police department, sheriff's department. He's normally, you know, the, the breadwinner in the household. His wife works as well. They've been typically able to afford wherever it is that they're living. And all of a sudden they get a renewal notice and they can't make it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you may not want to say you're sleeping in your car. but There are some families sleeping in their cars with their children. What does that do for the child who's trying to do their homework? And you're doing it by flashlight at night. Well, and it's or you, cyclical is what it is. Yeah. I mean, you just keep falling into the same pattern. You're putting more there, and more so. people. Yeah, you're putting more and more people um, into that, that area of homelessness and poverty. So it just goes beyond the definition of working poor at right. that point. You know, it's horrible. So hopefully we will be able to work it out. But yes, uh, all government is local and it really hits us mm-hmm. first. <laughs> and so Tallahassee has their rules. People don't care about that. They want to know what we're going to do. Right. And so we're trying to come up with some creative ways. Don't want to put people out of business. This is a capitalistic society. I want you to make money. What I'm saying is I know things have gone up. But they haven't gone up 100%. Mm-hmm. So if you need to do a 3% rent increase, 5% rent increase, right. I get it. If someone is trashing your apartment and your unit, keep their security deposit. That's what it's there for. But you can't blame everybody or assume that everybody is irresponsible when it comes to your property and take that out on on the people that follow or just because somebody from up north can afford to pay it you're totally wiping out the market for those of us that live right here wonderful well i hope that you know whoever's listening out there is able to gain some sort of wisdom i know i have yeah um so thank you so much for sharing and for sharing some of your time here at the conference with us oh absolutely my pleasure i feel like i'm at the breakfast club you know (laughs) get to be around with everybody thank you for what you're doing for your residents oh thank you commissioner it is hard to imagine someone more passionate about this subject (laughs) than you are uh so you know we'll definitely be following uh your progress and and circling back on some of these things with you Please do. Um, and I chair the Urban Caucus here for uh, the commission. So I'd love to uh, maybe even come back to you and just talk about what we're doing there in the Urban oh, Caucus. Because we just had our webinar series that dealt with inclusion and diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have some others coming up that'll be about housing, transportation, yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Of, so love to have you. Awesome. Right. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. So Thank you so much, much Commissioner. Yeah. <laughs>